Well, I'm sure you've probably noticed that tolerance has become the new religion of our day. And it's not how we used to define tolerance, but tolerance now is that you have to celebrate everything, even if you disagree with it. And that's really not what tolerance is about. Thyatira was falling into that. And the Lord of the church had a correction for that church. We need to hear. And it's today on Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 18 through 29. We're looking at Thyatira's tolerance. Chapter 2, verses 18 through 29, that is an attempt at a picture of Jezebel. Because many of you have heard the name Jezebel, and the name Jezebel is going to come up tonight. And a fundamental question at the outset of this message, which is the fundamental question for all people for all time, and it is simply this, who is your king? Is Jesus your king? Would you say that Jesus is my Lord, my master, what he says goes? Or would you say that you have a tough time figuring out who is actually leading your life? It's the fundamental question that you have to ask. You have to ask yourself, if you're going to be a Christian, do you truly want to follow Jesus as your king? The Bible says he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And in fact, in the book of Revelation, that's going to come up near the end of the book, that he is the king. But the early church was wrestling with whether or not they would give in to pressure that was happening in the first century and it's happening today in different manifestations. And it's this type of pressure that the early church had to face. And it's something like this. The emperor claims to be the son of God. The emperor claims to be divine. When there's a festival to the emperor, you must give a sacrifice. If you live in Thyatira, Thyatira is very famous for trade guilds. If you want to belong to a trade guild, which is something like a modern union, and you want to get work, and you want to stay employed, and you want to be able to provide for your family, then you need to bow your knee to the Caesar or to the god of that trade guild. And so there was a lot of pressure on early Christians, there's a lot of pressure on Christians in the Middle East today and in other places, and there's pressure on modern Christians, whether or not we're going to truly say, Jesus is my king, he is my Lord, he is my master in every area of my life. And what was happening in Thyatira was tolerance. Some of you might say, well, isn't tolerance a good thing? Well, to tolerance in many ways is the new religion of the U.S. Didn't you know? I think there are many people who believe that tolerance is the highest moral virtue that there can actually be out there. But actually, there's a good kind of tolerance and a bad kind of tolerance. In fact, I would say to you tonight that you will be known by what you affirm positively and what you tolerate will kind of identify who you are and what you really stand for. A man or a woman who can tolerate everything probably doesn't believe in much. Because there's a lot of things that should not be tolerated in our day and age. And for that matter, in any day and age. And one is going to come up tonight. And it is, 
In this case, it's a woman who exists in a congregation who has taken the pulpit in some sense and is preaching poison to God's people. And Jesus says to the church tonight, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman. And he's not saying it in a positive fashion. And I don't appreciate the fact that you are tolerating her. Some kind of, some types of tolerance the Lord does not want us to give. Because what that means is we're giving into evil or we're giving into compromise. Let's pray. Father, we're going to need all the prayer we can get, all the help we can get tonight as we continue to move through the book of Revelation. We look at the church at Thyatira. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit says to your church tonight. I want to be your man, and I know that those who are here tonight want to be those who follow you fully, Lord. Like was said of Joshua and Caleb, they followed you fully, but they were exceptions to the rule, and it's so easy, Lord, to go with the flow. And our flesh and this world and the devil pounded us, Lord. And sometimes we feel like we're losing. And I pray that tonight you would just ground us in our faith, Lord. Ground us in the one who saved us and called us and will empower us for every battle that we face. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. And we just pray that you'd guide this study tonight. Show us what you want us to see. Add and take away from what I've prepared, Lord. And speak to your people. Father, speak to me tonight so I can be more like you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So who is your king tonight? God said to Israel, this is a quotation from Isaiah, but it's in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 21. Concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. When you trace the history of Israel, you see a people that was chosen by God, bought by God, delivered out of the land of Egypt. But their biggest problem was they didn't know how to quite give God all of their allegiance. So God warned them. He said, when you come into the land, I do not want you to duplicate the detestable practices of those people. Because here's what they do. They, they have terrible sexual ethics and they, they do things with sacrifice that is unspeakable and I don't want you to do those things. So he was prepping them and they, he prepped them over a period of 40 years. But people who were in that generation group, those who were older than 20, only two of them entered into the promised land Think about it. Millions of people came out of Egypt. Only two went into the promised land out of millions of people. That gives you an idea that it's very easy to go with the flow in this world. In Jeremiah 2, 31 and 32, God says, O generation, heed the word of the Lord. Have I been in a wilderness to Israel or a land of thick darkness? Why do my people say we are free to roam? We will come no more to thee. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number, says the Lord. And this is the, the thing. We have spiritual amnesia quite often, right? We get out there in that world and sometimes we can forget who we are and what we stand for. And as I'm going to talk about on Sunday, one of the areas of life where we get challenged is in the area of business. In the business world, it can be very difficult in corporate America or in your company or whatever it is that you do for a living to stay on the straight and narrow as a Christian. People are bending the rules all the time. They're asking for you to compromise or tolerate something that may not be according to your values. 
And now you have to decide when money's on the line or you're going to make this deal or not, whether you're going to be true to who you say you actually are. And to the angel, chapter 2, verse 18 of Revelation, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, the Son of God, many scholars point to Psalm 2 for our reference here, as you'll see divine uh, attributes that paint him as the judge and the king. The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, that means he sees through everything. His feet are like burnished bronze, probably speaking here of purity and a combination of purity and judgment, says this. So whenever you see this, says this, it's thus says the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 13, take a peek with me. It says, in the middle of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. His head, verse 14, chapter 1, and his hair were, were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flaming or like a flame of fire. That's where the description comes from. There, notice he's called the Son of Man. And in this chapter, chapter 2, verse 18, he's called the Son of God. Jesus is Son of Man and Son of God. Son of Man is a messianic title. We've already studied it from Daniel 7. Verses 13 and 14, the son of man is the one who is really God. And here it describes Jesus as both son of man and son of God. Or if we could put it this way, and we can because Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is God the son. He is the unique son of God. God sent his only son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So even though we are sons of God by adoption, Jesus is the unique Son of God by nature. He is God the Son. So we could say in verse 18, thus says the Lord. When Jesus speaks, God is speaking. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And in this chapter, chapter 2, verse 18, he's called the Son of God. Jesus is Son of Man and Son of God. Son of Man is a messianic title. We've already studied it from Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. The Son of Man is the one who is really God. And here it describes Jesus as both Son of Man and Son of God. Or if we could put it this way, and we can because Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is God the Son. He is the unique Son of God. God sent His only Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So even though we are sons of God by adoption, Jesus is the unique Son of God by nature. He is God the Son. So we could say in verse 18, thus says the Lord, when Jesus speaks, God is speaking. 
So this is scripture, this is divine authoritative scripture. He addresses, notice the church at Thyatira. As we've gone through the book of Revelation, I've been trying to show you some pictures of ancient ruins and that kind of thing. And there are some ruins in Thyatira, but not a whole lot. This wasn't a terribly prominent city, but there's a, a very large section written to this area. Here's what we do know about Thyatira. It was about 30 to 40 miles southeast of Pergamum, which we looked at last Wednesday. It was situated on the south bank of the Lycus River in the north-south valley that connected the Caicus and Hermas rivers. It was a center for trade. Although never a large city, Thyatira was thriving in manufacturing and commercial, uh, commercial center during the New Testament times. And what they have found here, archaeologists have dug up, dug up a lot of references to trade guilds or what we might call modern-day unions. And there was a trade guild for every different uh, thing that you could be involved in in terms of a profession. They had, they had trade guilds for uh, virtually everything that people did, like wool working, linen workers, makers of outer garments, dyers, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, sleeve dealers, and even bronze smiths. And so everything that a person could do to make a living had a guild. You had to belong to the guild. But the problem with the guild or the trade guilds is that they were often involved with gods who had gods with a small g. And there, there was patron gods for these guilds. So for you to go to a dinner or some sort of business meeting, sometimes the god or the goddess would be involved with your particular profession. And you had to pay homage to that God. Sometimes what would happen is they would offer meat to that God or they would uh, play, ask for a blessing from that God or goddess. And if you were a Christian in that city and you were involved in business, all of a sudden you were put into a difficult situation. I'll give you a modern example. Let's say that you are a salesperson for a company and you are trying to get a business deal and all of a sudden, the person that you are interacting with you, wants you to go to a, a strip club. Let's just be real. What they call a gentleman's club. And all of a sudden, now you're faced with, hey, I've got a huge deal with this individual, but he wants to go to this location. What do I do? Do I blow the business deal and say, uh, I don't go to those kinds of places? And what are you going to expect in return? Oh, you're one of those. Goody two shoe uh, Christian boy, huh? Are you Holy Joe? You know, you never know what's going to come back the other way. Some years ago, I was on the verge of a business deal and I spent time in marketing and sales. And so I was dealing with Fortune 500 companies and I would sell uh, our product to them. And I had to tell my boss one day, who was, I believe at the time, a non Christian. Yeah, I, I told him, hey, this, this gal, she's the, the buyer, the buying agent for this company. She's She's kind of coming on to me, and it's getting a little awkward, and she's asking me to go out to places with her, and I said, what do you think? And he goes, just tell her about Jesus. <laughs> that was my, my non-Christian boss. Just tell her about Jesus. It'll be fine. In the book of Acts, we have something interesting I want to point out to you. It's Acts chapter 16. Turn over there for a second. Acts chapter 16. As the apostle Paul went to different places and ventured into Europe, he came across this scene, which is going to be familiar to you guys, but I want you to take a look at something that happens here with a particular woman. Acts 16, look at verse 13. Acts 16, 13. On the Sabbath day, we went outside, to, outside the gate to Riverside. So Riverside is in the Bible, just so you guys know. 
Oh, it says a riverside, sorry. It's where we were supposing that we would, uh, that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who, as, who had assembled. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of what? Thyatira, there's our church, right? A seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Lydia, who we know from the book of Acts, if you turn back to Revelation chapter 2, was from this area of Thyatira, and she was probably connected to the trade guild that had to do with the dyeing of fabrics. And they say that this river that was there was ideal for, this location was ideal for this purple dye that they they would uh, have in the area. They now call it Turkish red. Interestingly enough, this this area is in modern-day Turkey, and the name Thyatira connects to the idea of a castle. Some people say the, the modern vernacular or the definition of the word is like a white castle. And I think it's the, something like the castle of Thyra is how the name is uh, established. But there are scholars who, who would say they don't know exactly how the church at Thyatira was founded. But many believe, at least it's possible, that Lydia is responsible for the church at Thyatira, that she would have gone back home to her hometown and witnessed. We don't know for sure, but it is interesting to think about. She was a, probably a well-to-do woman, and uh, this, this place of Thyatira was definitely a business city, and so um, she's connected to that. The Son of God, the one who sees everything, addresses the church. Look at chapter 2, verse 19. He says, I know your deeds or your works, if you have an ESV, New King James, and your love and faith and service and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Now, we know that when Jesus addressed the church at Ephesus, he said they had what? Left their first love. But the church at Thyatira, actually, their deeds were greater now than they were at first. When we looked at Ephesus, we said, we've got to go back and repeat the things that we did at first. That was one of the remedies when you've left your first love. You have to go, go back and do the works that you did in the beginning when you first fell in love, if you will. But Thyatira was actually doing greater things than they had done in the past. They were growing, I ask you tonight. If you were to measure your Christian walk right now and assess how you've been doing of late as opposed to years ago, are your works greater or less? Are you more effective or less effective? Are you more committed or less committed to Christ? Are you more passionate about evangelism or less passionate? These are good things to ask, and these letters make us face our walk today. We can talk about stories of yesterday, but God, I think, wants to know about today. What's your walk look like today? Notice five things. Jesus says, I know your works, ESV and New King James. And I think these works have to do both inside and outside the church. Your love, which is obviously the greatest thing to have. Your faith, love and faith go together. Your service, service flows out of love and faith. And your perseverance. And that the deeds, your deeds of late are greater than at first. Five things. You're working hard, you're loving people, you have faith, and your faith is going deeper, you're serving others, and you're persevering in not an easy culture to persevere, you're hanging in there. That's the assessment of the Lord of the church. Five awesome things about Thyatira, wouldn't you say? 
If he were to measure your life tonight or look at my life, I wonder what the list would be that he would rattle off. Okay, you're doing well here. You're doing well here. You're doing well here. We've talked about in these letters, Jesus does first commend these churches. He'll say, this is what I know you're doing. And I ask myself the question, how am I doing of late? How's my Christian walk? How's my perseverance? Well, there's a but here, verse 20, the good stuff, and then but, I have this against you. Here, here comes the criticism that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants, that's the word doulos, where we get the idea of the bondservant, astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, there's a woman in your church, Jesus says to Thyatira, and even though you've got these five things going for you, and you're working hard, and you're loving, and you've got faith, and you're serving others, and you're persevering in a difficult culture, here's something that I don't appreciate. There's a woman in your church. I don't know if her real name is Jezebel. This may be an association, just like we saw at Pergamum. There's a connection back to the teaching of Balaam. And in this case, Jezebel may be a name that the Lord has given to her. If her name is Jezebel, then that's how her parents named her, and that could be one thing. If Jesus has given her a name by which he sees her, then he calls her Jezebel. Either way, there you have it. (laughs) But here's what I would say. The New Testament is not afraid to call false teachers out by name. By name. And sometimes we're hesitant to do that. But The Apostle Paul names Alexander the coppersmith and says he's done me harm. He names Hymenaeus and Philetus in the New Testament and says that they are teaching people that the resurrection has already taken place and they shipwreck the faith of some. The Lord Jesus takes false teaching extremely seriously. More serious than I think most modern day Christians take it. Most modern-day Christians do not want to speak out against false teachers, especially well, you know, well-liked and popular false teachers, but here it is. Notice, he says, you tolerate this woman, Jezebel, and she calls herself a prophetess. The Lord doesn't call her a prophetess. She calls herself a prophetess. If you ever have a so-called prophetess or prophet blow into town, give you his or her business card, by the way, this is who I am. This is how much I charge per hour. You can, you can find my set of prophecies for five easy installments of $99.99 per month, right? And then you start hearing stuff, and here's the way that you measure a prophet or a prophetess, as it were. You measure them by what? The Word of God. Well, oh boy, the church of Thyatira was being sold a bill of goods by this woman called Jezebel. She was taking them away from the word of God. And whenever a teacher is taking you away from the word of God, it is time to exit stage left. And Jesus, the Lord of the church, is addressing his church. So what matters most is not What people say, not even if we take a vote about something, as happens in some denominations, but what does the Bible say? Do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? If you do, then it has to be your measure, because God is the God of the Word. It is His Word. So our goal here at Walk in Truth is to let the Word of God speak 
to properly divide the Word of God, to do it, of course, with compassion, but with clarity and without compromise. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and you are listening to Walk in Truth, and I encourage you to dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Yes, it can be an intimidating book, but it is a great book, and there's a blessing attached to reading, hearing it, and heeding it. You can check out our online store when you go to walkintruth.com. We have many teachings about the book of Revelation. We have DVDs and CDs, and they're available for you. You can check out the products at our Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Hey, all you men out there, tomorrow morning, we're going to have a breakfast and Bible study at 6 a.m. It's at Corky's Kitchen in Corona, right off the 15 freeway and Cajalco. So if you come that direction and you're heading off to work, why not get a morning Bible study, get into the Word of God with some brothers in Christ, Corky's Kitchen, 6 a.m., that's in the city of Corona. You can find out info and directions on our website. And if you'd like to get more information on anything, our Wednesday night service, our men's breakfast, all the other events at the church, you can go to your app store and search Living Truth. Just look for the red logo with the pillars. And remember, the Church of the Living God is the pillar and support of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. Again, search Living Truth in your app store. You can also go to walkintruth.com and just click on the Visit tab. We'd love for you to check out the church. Now, make sure you listen tomorrow for part two of the Revelation teaching about Thyatira's tolerance. You know, some tolerance is good, but some tolerance is really not good at all. In fact, it could lead you to a place where you get disciplined by the Lord. What we need to do is have God's heart and know where compromise is healthy and where compromise is deadly. We're going to find out more about that tomorrow as we continue the teaching in the book of Revelation. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.